In this second video in our myth-busting series on face coverings, we'll review current evidence supporting the use of face coverings to prevent transmission of the virus responsible for COVID-19 from yourself to others. In this area, evidence is rapidly developing, with government advice frequently responding to such advances. To gain access to most recent advice, please visit the UK government's guidance page it is important to first understand more about the types of clinical evidence available and how they rank in respect to each other, otherwise known as a clinical evidence pyramid. In terms of quality of evidence to answer a clinical question, preclinical research is generally considered to provide the lowest quality, consisting of test tube based research, otherwise known as in vitro. Of clinical research, clinicians reporting individual cases or theories of cases or providing general expert opinion is considered of lowest quality, rising to case control studies, cohort studies, and randomized controlled trials. Case control and cohort studies are observational in nature and attempt to record individuals exposed or not exposed to particular risk factors, for example, wearing or not wearing face coverings, and then seek to assess such factors against presence of disease. For example, becoming infected with COVID-19. Randomised controlled trials seek to prospectively test the effectiveness of an intervention in preventing disease in a randomly selected group of study participants, compared against a group of participants not given the intervention. Participants and researchers are also frequently blinded to the intervention. So, for example, in reaction to the ongoing COVID-19 vaccine trials, all participants might receive an injection, but only a proportion must receive a trialled COVID-19 vaccine, whereas the remainder will be provided with a vaccine for an existing respiratory disease or a placebo. Researchers and participants will then only know who has received which at the end of the trial. Given these careful safeguards, RCTs, randomised control trials, are considered to provide the highest individual study quality of evidence, the lowest risk of bias. Finally, systematic reviews at the top of the table or meta-analyses of such RCTs provide further rigour as they attempt to collate ideally many trials to address a particular issue and then form comparisons of their findings. The goal is to find out if there is a generalised consensus on a clinical question increasing confidence that an intervention is widely effective across multiple populations. With the issue of face coverings, this is where we hit our first roadblock. Unfortunately, to date, there is a complete lack of highest quality evidence provided by RCTs, and therefore meta-analyses of COVID-19. This does not mean there is no evidence, but rather no trials have yet been completed. As such, we need to therefore rely on lower quality evidence to address the question of whether widespread use of face coverings is effective at reducing transmission of COVID-19. In the ideal world, such decisions would be delayed until highest quality evidence were available, but the urgency of the current situation does not afford us the time required to complete such studies. So what are the evidence we do have? With regards to test tube or in vitro research, 
Laboratory work has demonstrated that all available face coverings are able to block outward passage or droplets of varying sizes, including those of most relevance for COVID-19. However, while surgical masks and N95 respirators approach to achieve 100% blockage for sub-micron droplets and larger, cloth masks were associated with only a 50% blockage. While such lower cloth mask efficiencies could still be adequate for general public use, these findings did lead to a recommendation that cloth masks should not be used in high-risk environments, such as hospitals. It was also noted that cloth masks are likely to be of variable quality, and whilst the authors of the study did design what they considered to be a typical mask, such variability does increase the difficulty of assessing how effective cloth masks might be and used in real life. Although still relatively low on the clinical evidence pyramid, case reports and series from the current pandemic can provide important context to this debate. In support of social distancing alone not being enough to effectively reduce risk of infection, was a recent example of a socially distanced choir attended by an unknowingly infected individual. COVID-19 infection was later confirmed in over 30 members of the choir, at least two of which have now sadly died. It should be noted that at least 30% of those infected are asymptomatic. That is, they show no recognised symptoms of COVID-19 while remaining able to infect others. As these people do not feel unwell, they are more likely to continue in their normal routines, potentially infecting others while doing so. These two pieces of evidence combined suggest the need to do more than simply to keep the distance from each other. Other circumstantial evidence does include the fact that many countries which were initially more stringent in their response to the pandemic, including mandatory wearing of face coverings, have generally observed smaller outbreaks. Proponents of face coverings argue that this serves as a de facto demonstration of their efficacy. However, as all disease control attempts have involved multiple interventions, for example, social distancing, closed workspaces, restricted travel, it is challenging to determine exactly which of these combined interventions might be effective or indeed most effective. Corresponding with the highest quality of evidence currently available, though no meta-analyses of trials have been completed, some have been completed for case control studies. Considered together, these do form a consensus of a low to moderate effect of face coverings in reducing virus transmission. Although it is accepted that this evidence is relatively weak, it led some to suggest that given no clear overriding harm caused by wearing face coverings, some evidence of benefit justifies their use, known as the precautionary principle. Incidentally, this review also considered social distancing which found a moderate reducing risk of virus transmission between 0 and 2 metres, with the largest decrease in risk seen between 0 and 1 metres, broadly supporting current social distance recommendations of between 1 and 2 metres between people. Although difficult to classify within a clinical evidence pyramid, Eikenberry and others have used current available evidence to try to predict what might happen face coverings were deployed across whole populations. This study considered both variable proportions of the population 
had decided to use a face covering, between 20 and 80% of the population, and variable effectiveness of such coverings, again between 20 and 80%. When a simulated outbreak was constructed for New York State, it was found that even with face coverings of 20% effectiveness, used by 20% of the population, peak daily deaths were decreased compared to no face coverings being worn at all with these decreases becoming progressively larger as face coverings became more effective and widely used, arguably justifying their widespread deployment for the current outbreak. The authors also note that face coverings appear to be more effective when worn early in an outbreak. It is therefore unknown what impact face coverings might have when deployed relatively late in an outbreak or in the early stages of any second wave of infections. On a practical level, it should be noted that in countries which did not initially introduce mandatory face coverings, such as the UK and the US, use of face coverings only slightly increased during the initial COVID-19 outbreak, comparing with a large proportion of the population using face coverings in countries where mandatory face covering was introduced, in China. These findings do seem to suggest that use of legislation is necessary to achieve widespread adoption of face coverings in public spaces. As you have probably learned by now, this issue is complex. Whilst the evidence presented so far does lead me to cautiously support the use of face coverings, I would like to leave you with some final considerations. Firstly, there has been much discussion about face coverings being used incorrectly Increased face touching whilst wearing a face covering decreasing the efficacy of these items. I'm sure I'm not alone in having noticed face coverings only being worn over the mouth, leaving the nose exposed, for example. However, I feel care needs to be taken over confusing lack of current public knowledge on how to correctly use face coverings with a permanent inability to correctly use face coverings. I guess that rather than abandonment, Educational and correct use appears to be the clear path to take in this case. With regards to face touching, interestingly, a small observational video study conducted early in the pandemic suggested that in outdoor public areas, those wearing face coverings touch their face less frequently than those not wearing coverings. This does seem to contradict public perception and is deserving of a larger study, also including people in enclosed spaces. Some concern has been raised about communication issues when wearing face coverings, particularly amongst those who depend on lip reading. This is a valid concern and I support recent attempts to explore mitigating these issues through use of, for example, a clear panel within the face covering. This might also extend to groups of people who are, for medical reasons, unable to wear face coverings. And I'm aware of uh, signage increasingly being used for individuals to be able to say whilst they support face coverings, they are not able to wear them for whatever reason. I've also already mentioned this earlier, but I would like to say again that there is no clear single winning choice of face covering, and preference is likely to vary by individual. However, regardless of which face covering you choose, it should be remembered that they are not a replacement for social distancing. Several studies are in agreement that a package of interventions, including face coverings and social distancing, are likely to be most effective at reducing risk of virus transmission, 
rather than single intervention alone. Finally, although current evidence does tend to support face covering use, it is still acknowledged that the evidence base is relatively poor. However, there are a number of high level evidence studies currently in progress that hopefully will provide more definitive answers on this. Thank you for listening to the second video in our series, Myth Busting Face Coverings. I would suggest for up-to-date guidance on uh, the issue of face coverings that you click the following link below uh, provided by the UK government. Our next video will be looking at how to use face coverings. Thank you.